listeners welcome to the second episode of the product led marketing show hosted by the product led marketing community so in this podcast series we feature the top marketers from the plg companies all over the world so today we have matthew stain from reprise uh, he is a director of marketing at reprise and uh, he is a pql expert and a marketing ops rockstar hi matthew how are you doing hey how's it going i'm very excited to be here today good to talk with you okay Same. So, can you tell us a little bit about your past experiences, your background, and your career path? Yeah, sure. I've had a very, uh, a very unusual career path. I started as a musician in college. I was a bassoon major. Uh, I started cooking to pay for school and went down the the chef path for seven years. Got out of that and into tech, uh, doing just like frontline tech support. Uh, you know, resetting people's passwords, learning how. um you know windows applications work and stuff like that uh moved over to hubspot and ran their support team for 3 years um and uh fell in love with the startup world from there and ever since then i've been you know going between a, a bunch of different startups um from as late as like c uh, you know c round um right to like pre uh, pre beta release and and extremely early stage startups so um i love that side of it uh, i've also gone from like the support side, customer success side, to the marketing side, back over, back and forth between. So I love focusing on cross-functional uh problems and challenges to solve because I've been, you know, I've been there, I've worn many hats and love bringing it all back and and right now I'm very excited to wear the marketing hat again. Sounds great. It's like an uh, eventful career path, right? <laughs> Lot of changes and transitioning. Exactly. Yes. Got to keep it interesting, you know. So yeah, Uh, actually, I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, mostly onboarding in the PLG side. So, frictionless onboarding is a challenge, right? So, zero touch onboarding is even a bigger challenge, and it is often not done by marketing team earlier. So, it's a new learning process for all of us starting in marketing roles in product-led companies. So, you have extensive experience in customer support and various marketing roles. So, what would you consider when designing an onboarding experience, and how do you measure the success of onboarding process? Sure. So you always want to think about, you know, the journey and I I've, I've learned this from the customer side, um uh, but it even makes sense from the, you know, the marketing tra- traditional funnel side as well. And you think about, you know, how do people find out you, find out about you? What do they understand? What are their probable misconceptions? And then what are the keys to their understanding how they can become successful and realize value? And then once you map that out, you can start marking milestones or waypoints along this journey that help uh that that help like provide this you know this happy path for uh people going from prospects to to customers to delighted customers and onboarding is a is a key part of that but you just can't figure it out on your own you know you can come up with a great hypothesis you can say okay this is what i think people are going to want to do these are the aha moments that i think we want to show them but until you until the rubber meets the road until the prospects start clicking around and get lost and get confused and you know uh some will give up you got to figure out okay where are they getting lost what is not clear enough and how can we get them back on track so it's i i always come back to you know thinking about it in terms of the customer journey and then it becomes how do we teach them how do we lead them through the path to see the things that they want to see and that's where it it's uh, it gets interesting and you're right it's not just a marketing function anymore especially in a product led company you've got to have product on board you got to have sales on board you got to have you know customer success on board because in the end they're the ones who are talking to the people who did it the ones who made it through 
you know, the gauntlet of learning a new product and becoming successful of it. And you want to learn from their success, what things you can take away and then apply to all the new people that are coming in. So we kind of asked this question to all of our guests. When was it that you realized PLG is the way to go? And uh, what did you have to unlearn from working in demand gen or inbound when you switched to product led? I'm sure there sure. must be a lot of things that you had to unlearn, right? Yeah, there there is for sure. Um, I would say it was probably, I think it's about 2014, I joined a company called Onshape, which was mechanical CAD. And full disclosure, I am not a mechanical engineer. I have spent zero time doing engineering, um, but I got to learn you know, how engineers think and what their challenges are and, and how that all goes. And they had a much more uh, standardized path for how engineers go through about learning new CAD products. And so that was where I learned, it's like, aha, okay, we get them in for free. They're going to, in that example, it was, you start by making parts, then you make assemblies, then you make drawings. Drawings get sent off to the manufacturer, product becomes reality. Sounds pretty straightforward. So how do you take that and turn that into a game plan for a much more amorphous tool like Reprise, where you're creating demos, product demos or website tours? You're not, you know, going from uh, idea to uh, produce like physical object, but we we can still say, all right, what are the pieces that they have to put in into place? How do they get more complicated? How do they become reality? And so. Uh, Onshape kind of gave me that model. We had a free version. Like you come in, you mess around with it, you see that it's familiar, or you learn the new the new interface, and then uh, they be, then they say it's like, yep, this is good enough for my purposes. I'm going to buy now. So give them a taste, let them understand what the product is about, and help that become the the driver for the path. That was where I first really was at a, a, a truly product led company, um, which is a little ahead of the curve, really. You know, back in in 2014. Uh, and then, you know, coming into Reprise, uh, I got brought on board about a month before we launched our freemium product, which was really exciting, a little bit stressful. And we, uh, we had this chance to like put in the path um, to, to show people like, all right, you come in, you get to make these limited uh, demos or replays and you can, you know, get some value out of that. But really the, 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 the reason that people would actually want to pay for this is all of the extra features. So you get them in, you get them, you get that taste, you get the uh, people excited about it, and then you figure out it's like, okay, for you know, for some people, a very simple one works. That's fine, great. That's our freemium product. Lots of people want to come in and see what it's about, get their hands on it, and then they'll they'll look at upgrading. Sounds amazing. So you and your team at Reprise talks about problems, solutions, strategy, basically everything a PLG marketer goes through day to day, right? So you talk about PQLs, PQLs that match with your ideal customer profile and their nurturing path. So would you tell, uh, tell our listeners how you defend your PQLs and uh, how different it was from defending MQLs and uh, where sales and product involved in the process? We would love to hear that. Sure. And you're saying how, how we define PQLs versus MQLs? Got it. Yeah. So our uh, our MQLs are relatively straightforward. Um, they're the hand raisers. They come in, they raise their hand, they say, hey, I want a demo, I want to talk to a person. And we answer, ask them some very simple qualifying questions and then we kick them right over to a, a salesperson or an account executive. Um, and the MQL path was already in line. It's it's pretty traditional. We're able to, to have that one. So, you know, relatively standard life cycle stages of 
of um, you know leads and contacts and then MQLs, sales qualified leads, opportunities, et cetera. That path is relatively well known. We had to define the PQL path and it gets complicated because people want to choose their own method of communication. Some folks want to talk to a human and ask them questions. Other people just want to get their hands on a product, figure it out for themselves, and they don't want to talk to a person. Um, so you have to meet people where they are. You have to give them the opportunity. So what we came up with was um, a way to let them get into the product, um, you know, by putting basically like try for free buttons all over our website. And they go through there, we collect a little bit of information, standard account creation process. And then once they are inside, we've got um, you know, a, a wizard that's helping them learn where to click, what to try, which is always evolving. And those things should always evolve. And we started measuring you know, what are our conversion rates? Um, how many people sign up to create an account? How many people create the account and then install the Chrome extension? Or, and they get all the way through the process and we decided early on because you have to make a decision with zero data always hard but we decided that once they publish a replay they've they've created it they're comfortable enough to hit publish then that's like okay they've seen value they've they've gotten enough of enough exposure to the product that they decided that's the step i'm taking now if they share it with other people, that's really, you know, kind of gravy on top. That's excellent. Whether they're sharing it internally, perhaps with other stakeholders, maybe their coworkers saying, hey, check out this tool, or maybe they're sharing externally with prospects, with potential clients. Both of those are great actions, but we decided that that was one step further than we needed to measure at this point. And we were actually happy with the, with our conversion rates to that, that current PQL. You know, if you come and you create a, uh, uh, create an account, basically set your password, answer the questions. Um, you know, you, we've got a conversion rate of, uh, pushing 30% who actually get to that PQL status of publishing a replay. Um, measuring that is so critical and it requires a lot of help from, you know, the, from the product side, from ops. Um, so I, I just can't overstate the importance of, of, you know, tracking it and seeing how it changes monthly. Uh, and then we're going to, you know, in, a few months after things have settled out, uh, we're going to start looking at, did we make the right choices? Are those people who, you know, took that step of publishing a replay and, and meet our own definition of PQL, are they really people who are going to have seen value and are, are likely to become a, a consistent user? You don't always want to measure to customers because you have this freemium level of people that are just going to hap happily cruise along there. And that's fine. Uh, there's lots of long-term value. We can talk about that. But you know, you want to see, you want to validate your decisions. Look at the data and say, all right, these are the PQLs. Did they keep using it? What's the drop-off rate? You know, five, six months later, are they still active users or pe are people viewing the replays? Kind of went on there a bit. I hope I answered the question. And you said uh, other teams were involved in the process, right? So were there any differences in the perspectives or maybe some experimentation or database decision-making? How did the team's alignment, alignment work out for you? Yeah, um, so, you know, cross-team communication is critical and everyone's got their own opinions and their own tasks and things that they have to do. So for me, I inserted myself into the engineering stand-ups. Um, and that way I have an ear to the ground in terms of what is going on, what 
things are they working on and working into their process of, hey, when a user takes this action, I need to have that data calculated and pushed through to our marketing stack so that we can take our automated marketing actions on it. We can get that measurement. Um, now we, you know, unfortunately have been impacted by the, the, the war in Ukraine. Um, some of our engineers are over there. They're all safe, thank goodness. Fingers are crossed that's, that remains the case. But, um, you know, that became a huge problem. So there's some, some data points that we are not collecting in an automated way and I have to go into some of our measurement tools, do exports and manual updates. Um, that works, but you know, that's the messiness of being a really product-led company. You could either sit there and wait for all of the things to fall into place. I don't think most of us like to sit around waiting. I know I don't. So, you know, figuring out how you can meet your needs creatively is a certainly a key to being successfully successful and successful fast. Um, so, you know, bringing in the stakeholders, inserting yourself into the, the standard communication for other teams, that's really important. We're now to the point where it's like, okay, we've got a, we've got PQLs coming in, we've got standard lead flow. Um, we want to refine the handoff to sales because a sales team is still very much involved in a product-led growth company. So we're spinning up a task force and it's going to have sales team management, marketing team management from my side, uh, a couple of the product-led or the product managers on our team and you know, getting all those people together at a regular cadence to figure out, you know, what's working, what's not, what are the requirements, what do we need to build on, etc. You worked for HubSpot and uh, used it extensively. So what were the challenges that you faced, not only HubSpot, but like basically using any marketing automation tools in a product-led environment? Sure, um, yeah, so I got to work at HubSpot uh, from 2010 to 2013. I saw us go from about 125 employees to over 600. So the biggest challenge there was how do you grow at this sort of hyperscale rate and preemptively fix things before they break. So I learned a lot about process. When do you put process in place? Um, how do you make sure you're not slowing down growth, but enabling people to do their jobs? Um, and then you're just learning the, the product really, really deeply. You know, this was back in the time when, you know, even like a local plumber could spin up a blog, put up a couple YouTube videos, get traffic and get leads. It's now a hyper competitive environment for traffic, for eyeballs, for attention. Um, so, you know, some of the things that I, I learned the early marketing playbook, but it's evolved. And now it's like, okay, we've got to produce. Yes, we're still creating content. We're still writing blogs, but they've got to be amazing. They've got to be helpful. So much competition for eyeballs and, uh, and attention that you've really got to be at the top of your game. So, um, you know, the, the marketing tools are, are great. I, I don't know how many other people think this way, but I believe that, you know, these tools that were created, the really good tool uh, marketing platforms out there, it's not just marketing platforms, but the really good platforms out there almost give you a playbook of how to use them and how to do the job effectively. So if you say it's like, all right, these are the tools that are available to me. Um, I don't know what this one is. What is it for? Go learn about it. Go learn how the tool uses. What is the problem that it solves? And then you can figure out, all right, how do I apply that to my playbook? How do I make that work for me? It's hard now, a little bit more, a little bit harder now because these tools are so extensive and they've got more functionality than you can really ever get to or need to get to. But I like to look at the things that people are developing 
they're spending tons of time you know these the, the people who are building the products live in the future they're, they the good ones are you know skating to where the puck is going and you can take from them ideas of experiments that you should be running or things you should be using to measure um, so I, I like to take the uh, sort of the product playbook what they're building and apply it to my day-to-day -day job so that's what I have because of the time restriction I had to wind up this episode for now but you have a lot of information and a lot of knowledge in the space and we will love to hear from you again and uh, I'm pretty sure that we'll be able to feature you again in multiple episodes coming in the future. Uh, thank you so much Matthew for your valuable time. I, I appreciate it. Love to come back. This was a lot of fun. Thank <laughs> you.